Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. I thought I would take a few minutes before we even get started this morning and just introduce myself. Some of you know me and have known me for a long time, but that's not the case for everyone. So um, I love New Covenant, and in fact, if it wasn't for this body, I might not be here because long ago, my dad saw my mom across a crowded room. And uh, if it weren't for that, (laughs) I might not be here uh, before you today. So my history with New Covenant goes way back. But my name is Ellie Joy Molinari, and Ellie means light. So my mom would always call me her light and joy. Yeah, I know, right? Um, But there was another name that my older brother wanted to name me um, when I was in my mom's womb yet to be born. She asked him, well, what do you want to name the baby? And he thinks for a second and goes, Hammer. So that might also be another appropriate name for me. But my, mom, my parents went with Ellie, thank goodness. Um, so I, I thought I would take a couple minutes, and some of you have seen my resume or read a little bit about my bio and what I've done. Um, but to kind of introduce myself, I thought I would start with a couple of childhood stories. So um, when I was young, I was nicknamed the Velcro Baby because I have an older brother, like I said, who was very active and ran around everywhere. And um, when my mom had me, she would place things in front of me thinking I would stay there for like a minute. You know, this was before I could walk. And she'd, you know, go into the kitchen, do something, and peek her head back in. And I would just be sitting there methodically and systematically going page by page through each book one at a time. And then I'd pick up the next one and I'd read that page by page. <laughs> so um, that was me even before I could walk. Another story is when I was about four years old, I had two younger siblings at this point, James and Anna, and um, I was always, you know, trying to nurture or take care of them because I had real live baby dolls, right? I didn't have to play with dolls. I had siblings. It was great. (laughs) Um, But my mom had to sit me down and have this conversation with me and say, Ellie, you know, you're, you're not big enough. You can't take the kids out of the babies out of the crib. It's not safe for you. It's not safe for them. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Well, I don't know how much later, um, but a few days or weeks later, my mom comes into my sister Anna's room and she looks in the crib and there I'm in the crib with my sister. Her diaper is changed and she's in her clothes for the day. <laughs> so, so I followed her directions, followed her rules, but uh, you better believe I still dressed my sister. So. <laughs> Um, Another story is we had this really big window, front window in my um, house growing up that had these really long curtains. And for me, that became my stage. So I remember getting my sisters all dressed up for the recitals, whether they were dances or plays, and I would make them perform. So anyone who came into the house, we had a performance for them, and my sisters would have to do it with me. (laughs) So why am I telling you these stories uh, about myself from when I was young? I'm telling you them because I believe that there are sacred threads in all our lives, that the moment of conception for each one of us, God gave us certain personality traits and gifts that are unique to us. Even as a young child, I was systematic, I was nurturing, I was a leader, I was a creative. 
as I grew up following Jesus and had different life experiences as an adult, I grew into that, but that was always there. It was always in me. And so my prayer is that as I serve as the children and youth pastor, that I would support each of you, each family here in Bethlehem and in Mukunji online in the development of your children's spiritual growth, physical growth, mental growth, emotional growth, and that I would be someone who calls out the sacred threads that I see in each of them. And you know, with the limited time I've had with each of your kids or, or youth, I see sacred threads in each one of them. And I'm so excited to get to know them better. So what is my message today? What are we gonna be talking about? You can see on the, the slide over here that we have, it's called Kingdom Entrepreneurship. And it's about your DNA, not your GPA. So I wanted to take a moment today to define kingdom entrepreneurship. What is that? What does it look like here at NC4? And you can see I used the design that's very similar to the one we used at the very beginning of the year when the pastors did a series on our DNA. Who are we at New Covenant? What is our DNA? And they identified six different things that we as New Covenant embody. And I, you know, for the sake of time, I don't wanna go extensively into each one. You can go back and listen to them. But we identified family, that we are a household of God, that that's who we are. We identified presence, um, that we value the manifest presence of God. We talked about how we are eucharismatic, rooted in the historic church, flowing out of the sacramental, reformed, and renewed traditions. That we value scripture as our ultimate guide in all things spiritual and practical. That we value unity, togetherness across denominations for the impact of the kingdom. And that we value missions, right, here and abroad. So that is, in a nutshell, who we are, the DNA that we embody as New Covenant. But Pastor Ian, not long ago, presented a family ministry vision, right? As a family, as we you know, embody this DNA, who are we and what does that look like? So the, the, the statement that he gave you was, as members of our church family, we are committed to discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs. Now, some of you who are big picture people in the room or at Mankunji, you're like, yes, you're psyched about that. You're like, I can see it. I know where we're going. That makes sense to me. And others of you who maybe are a little more practical are like, okay, I mean, like, what does that even look like? What does that mean? Can we put some meat on that? So that's kind of my thinking as I was praying today about what to share was breaking up this statement into three different pieces and looking at each one to kind of help us have a better picture of what that might look like. So bear with me today. We're gonna to break it up into three different parts. We're gonna look at as members of our church family and how we all have a vital role. Then we're gonna look at we are committed to discipling and talking about what that looks like organically within family. And then mature kingdom entrepreneurs and how do we kind of formally try to create an environment and opportunity for not just our kids and youth, to be mature kingdom entrepreneurs, but even for us, right? That's not just kids and youth that we want to be mature kingdom entrepreneurs. I wanna be a mature kingdom entrepreneur, and I know all of you do too. So let's look at that first part of the, the statement. As members of our church family. So to do this, we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians 12, um, verses 12 to 21 really quickly. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, 
so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. And Paul goes on to say, what would happen if a foot said, well, I'm not a hand, so therefore I'm not a part of the body? Or an ear that was wishing it was an eye, or a whole body of eyes, right? We, you know, maybe in uh, heaven, <laughs> some of those creatures, right? But, but like, how would, what would that, that wouldn't function. And now Paul is talking about this within the context of spiritual gifting and noting that there's diversity within the body of Christ, even though we may have different gifts, that we have the same spirit. But I'd like to apply it in a bit of a different way this morning. If we look at our family tree and all of the different members of that family, right? We have in a family tree, we have mothers, fathers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, friends, maybe not biological, but they feel like family. The same is true here. We are one body. Now we might have a different role, but each role is essential to the body and to the family. So I think about myself, I don't have my own children yet. I'm an aunt to my nieces and nephew, but my sisters will tell you, I play a vital role and have a vital impact in the lives of my nieces and nephews um, as, a, as an aunt. So do we all agree, Bethlehem, Makanji, that we have a vital role? Yes. Yeah? Say it like you mean it. Okay, good. So that's the first part, and that's, that's really what we mean when we say as members of the church family. We all have a role in this. So let's look at the second part of that statement. We are committed to discipling. So what is discipling? Well, discipling is the action of making a person into a disciple. Okay. <laughs> Great. So what is a disciple, right? Let's look at that. A disciple is defined as a person who is a pupil or an adherent of the doctrines of another, a follower. The disciples of Jesus literally followed him around, like actually from place to place, right? They were literally followers of him, not just adherents of his doctrine. And so in today's world, that might be synonymous with believers who follow who? <laughs> believers. Come on. Come on, you've helped me out. Justin Bieber, right? If you follow Justin Bieber, you're a believer. Um, what about stylers? Yeah, I know you know. Harry Styles, right? Or Team Drizzy? Drake fans? Okay, anyway. The, the, this, is, this is synonymous with being a follower in, in what we have today. But the disciples in the early church were called Christians. Why? Because they were viewed as little Christ, right? Or supposed to be. As disciples were following someone and adhering to what they think. Well, Jesus spoke to his disciples and made it clear that they shouldn't stop at knowing him and following him. It doesn't end there. He said to them before he left in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus said to his disciples, the people that followed him, go and make disciples. So it doesn't stop at following the Lord. 
there's something about a self-replication that happens, right? Part of being a disciple was seeing themselves being replicated. So let's think about the definition of DNA or deoxyribonucleic acid. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm very impressed with myself. <laughs> it is the self-replicating material that is present in nearly all living organisms. It makes copies of itself. So when someone calls New Covenant home or NC4 home, they carry a unique DNA that would replicate itself within this body because every single cell in a human body has the same exact DNA. So every member of this body would have similar DNA, right? We would have those six traits and embody those six traits. Now, I want to make a delineation between DNA, the stuff you are made of, and GPA, right? The collective sum or grade point average that you get in school for all your correct behaviors or incorrect behaviors, right? When we think about the culture that we want to create here at NC4, that's something I'm really passionate about, is that it's a journey. Our kids and youth are made of that stuff. We, as adults, are made of the DNA. Family, unity, manifest presence of God, value for scripture, all missions, all of that is in us. All of that is in our kids, but it's a journey, right? As we journey with our kids, we see some of that come out over time. And I would hope, as someone who grew up here in this church, that I embody some of that DNA myself, right? Because it is self-replicating material. So some of that should be in me, as it should be in all of you. <laughs> and um, so I wanted to take a moment, uh, just because I have been discipled by so many here in the body, I'm gonna do something that might make some uncomfortable. Yay. <laughs> I'm known for this. But I felt when I was praying that it was just really essential because here, truly, I feel really passionate about cultivating a culture of honor and of thankfulness personally, but corporately as well. So even if this makes you a little uncomfortable, we're gonna do it because I think it's really important. <laughs> I can't possibly mention every single person that has had an impact on my life as I've grown up in this place. So many leaders, pastors um, have impacted me. But there were a couple people as I was praying, I just really felt like I wanted to mention to give you an example. So some of those people are here in Bethlehem. Some of those people are in Makanji, and I think some of them might be online today too. So as I mention your name, if you're here, would you stand up? If you're in Makanji, would you stand up? And we'll just... We'll applaud for them, and um, then I'll, I'll say something. So here we go. First, would my parents, Sherry and Fran Molinari, please stand? Let's give them a hand. So um, thanks for making me. No, but <laughs> yes, thanks for that. But seriously, guys, thank you for making prayer a part of our household growing up. I remember prayer being essential. And secondly, thank you for opening up your home to things like smooth stones and home groups because it was there that I met some of these people and like really got to know them and interact with them um, that I'm going to mention today. So thank you for doing both of those things. Love you guys. Um, okay, next, Mike Dunstan, would you stand? Yay! 
Sorry, Mike, I could have chosen a different one, but this one was just like, you know, embodied you. Uh, this picture was just perfect. So um, Mike, I remember being in sixth grade, and we've talked about this story before, but I remember um, having just broken a window <laughs> on a youth retreat and having injured another youth group attendee. Nobody is perfect, guys. And uh, Mike, you were a youth leader at that time, but you came into the room I was in, you put your arm around me as I was sobbing my guts out, and you just said, it's okay, Elle. And I, in that moment, was met with such truth and love and grace that it made me want to continue going to youth group because up until that point, I didn't know if I wanted to come back because of my mistake. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Okay, um, next, Steph King, would you stand up? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Gary, this is not about you. This is about Steph. Okay. <laughs> Steph, I... I had, yeah, I had um, to mention the time. I'm just so thankful. You, I don't even know if you remember this, but this was before you were ever married and you were single, and you had me over to your apartment on Pawnee Street for a sleepover, and I slept on your couch, and your dog Puggles kept me up all night with his breathing. <laughs> but, but just that someone cared enough to invite me over like that, to talk to me, to listen to my preteen babbling, and like actually enjoy me, that made such a great impact. So thank you. Okay, um, next is Patience, and she is actually in Makunji, and she's in Sunday school serving right now, so uh, she, she'll see this later. But I chose this picture of her from Facebook because, which I, I might get in trouble for, but I felt like it just showed her personality that I remember when I was growing up as a kid, and she was just a couple years older than me. She, to me, embodied joy and fun. And um, so, patience, thank you for carrying so much joy. And thank you for writing me an encouragement note when I was in high school and you were over at my parents' house. I still have it in the back of my Bible. So, yeah, let's give her a hand. Now, Warren, I saw that you're here, but is Charlotte here? She's not here today. Okay, let's give, let's give Warren and Charlotte a hand. So I've known them a long time, but I specifically wanted to thank you guys for um, just a few years ago, I was working as a domestic missionary in Western Pennsylvania, and it's hard to be away from home, <laughs> and this is my home. Um, and you guys, sorry, you guys reached out to me prayerfully and financially supported me, and when I came home to visit any time, Charlotte would set up something with me to come over and pray with you guys and meet. And I just felt so covered by, you know, people outside of my immediate family reaching out to me and still being spiritual parents, even though I wasn't physically here. I considered this to be my covering. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, I don't think Lois, I didn't see Lois Lisko here today. She might be in Makanji. So Lo Lois, if you're in Makanji, stand up. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> so, Lois, you give the best hugs, and you're so generous with them. This is the only photo I could find of you. Um, there's not many out there. But uh, truly, I wanted to thank you for your hugs, because I don't think that you recognize the impact they make 
on every single person when you hug them. Um, and then secondly, I wanted to thank you for, I had just moved back to Bethlehem a couple of years ago, trying to find my place back in the body of, of New Covenant and Bethlehem specifically, and you invited me over for lunch. And, you know, we, had, we didn't have that kind of relationship, but I think you saw I needed it, and I really did. So thank you for inviting me over and uh, for speaking truth into my life in that moment. Okay, and lastly, but certainly not least, like I said, I couldn't mention everyone today. Laura, she's in the booth. Can you stand up? Yeah. So Laura, thank you for being a forever friend. Thank you for standing with me in the faith since seventh grade, <laughs> for challenging me and encouraging me. Um, it has been an honor to be your friend. So, thank you. Um, every single person that I mentioned spoke into my life in various ways, whether as a friend, as a cool big sister or aunt, spiritual parents, real parents. It reminds me of Deuteronomy 6, where it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. All of these people that spoke into my life, we were just living side by side, right, organically. And they took the opportunity that they had to be available. It was the ministry of availability, where they saw a kid or a young teen or a young adult, and they saw something there and they spoke into me in some way. And so this is what I want to encourage us, church. Part of that committed to discipling peace is that we do this with one another, that we are available, that we are involved, that we are present. It makes all the difference. So while this organically can happen within our body, and I believe happens often, I want to talk about a more formal way as well, right? That it's not just that organic piece, but that we're intentional about how we disciple mature kingdom entrepreneurs. And um, I propose that we tackle that in two ways. That first, we have to think about the environment that we cultivate. What is the environment that our kids and youth are walking into, right? Has anyone ever gone to a spa? Raise your hand, yes. Yeah, okay, wow. Guys, you need like some self-care. <laughs> Go to a spa. Um, okay, so you walk into a spa and they have like this waiting room, you know, and it's like tinkling music that's like, you know, super soft and calming. And maybe there's a little waterfall and you hear water trickling and the couches are just very like muted colors, restful, plush. Maybe they give you a really comfy robe. I mean, you are ready to relax right? Because you have entered an environment of relaxation. And so all of that kind of just fades away. Similarly, I believe we need to cultivate an environment that our kids and youth walk into. And I'd like to propose that we do this with three different statements I'm going to talk about today. We are, right? That we cultivate a culture of we are where we journey together, like I mentioned earlier, but where we are relationship builders with a clear set of blueprints. So what does this mean? This means that every event we have, curriculum we use or create, 
and interaction in kids and youth ministry will be geared toward learning the Bible because it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we journey together toward knowing Jesus, right? It lights our path. We have to know the word, guys. So kids, youth, we're going to read the Bible, okay? (laughs) It's really important for us to do it. And it's okay if you don't understand it, but we're going to read it and we're going to work through it together, okay? So that's that part of we are relationship builders with a clear set of blueprints. The Bible is going to light our way towards our relationship with Jesus. And then every event, curriculum, interaction we have will also be geared toward creating community because we need each other. We need friendships. We don't want cliques. We want to be together in this. Um, So not just relationship with him, but relationship with each other as well. Secondly, we are authentic. This means that kids and youth are encouraged to come as they are with the real questions they have and the difficulties that they are encountering. Without judgment, we don't embarrass. We embrace with grace and truth, but we do lean in to encountering God's manifest presence because that's when we're changed, right? So um, that's our second, our second statement. Lastly, we are fun, creative geniuses. Yes, we are. Not just the kids and youth, you guys as adults too. Nothing we do in our time together should be boring. <laughs> and every child has a unique and valuable role to play in the kingdom. So while Sunday school or youth group might have a schedule or a structure to it, we believe that the Holy Spirit is on the move and we want to be sensitive to that. So when we create this environment where kids and youth enter and they feel um, loved, they feel accepted, they feel challenged by the word of God and the manifest presence of God, something changes, right? We can't just create an environment though. We have to give our kids opportunity. So that's the second part. So what's an entrepreneur? When we talk about entrepreneur or kingdom entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal risks to do so. If we want to develop into disciples who are kingdom entrepreneurs, then there is a certain element of risk involved. As a daughter of an entrepreneur, I know dad put everything on the line when he stepped out in this way. And in fact, I I was recently reading an article that listed 12 signs you're destined to be an entrepreneur. And I'm reading it, I'm going, yep, 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 as I'm thinking of you, dad. (laughs) Um, Because you were built to be an entrepreneur. It's in your DNA. But he had to step out and take the opportunity. It's risky to step out as an entrepreneur, to be someone who feels like they don't fit in with the normal way of life, to leave behind what you always thought and the ways you did things before, to take a risk on something you believe in. This is someone who can see the big picture, the end game. Paul, just like he talked about and discovered and wrote to the church in Philippi, he said, but what things were gains to me These I have counted loss for Christ. The things he thought were valuable before, the normal way of living for him before, when he met Jesus, everything changed. 
Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not a GPA culture, but that which is through faith in Christ, that I may know him, it's on our wall, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. What if that was our kids' perspective and our perspective for ourselves? Okay, maybe I haven't attained it yet, but I press on. I press on towards this upward call that Paul identifies later in his letter. Let's give our kids the opportunity to step out and step up. Let's let them serve in different capacities in the church. It might be a little messy as we help them learn how to work in the sound booth, how to greet people, how to be up here for worship, how to be in Sunday school or a hall monitor, whatever it is. But there's not a junior Holy Spirit. And they can serve now. So high schoolers, I'm challenging you guys, you're here, and here in Bethlehem and in Makanji, I'm challenging you because we won't be doing Sunday school for high schoolers anymore. I'm challenging you to sit in the sermon, to take your own notes, to ask good questions, and also to serve. Find one area that you can try, and we promise as a congregation to walk alongside of you. And guys, it might be messy, but we have to give them the opportunity, right? Or, or, or else they'll, they'll never step out. So. Likewise, we need to take the opportunity as adults, we need to invest ourselves in various areas of the church. And I'm not saying we don't do that, but I'm just, I'm saying that that was how I was invested in, because my parents invested in people who then invested in me. There's that ripple effect of, of being together as a body. And now, it might be organically, but you could also serve formally. So Hannah did a great job this morning on the announcements of saying, you know, if you haven't signed up for the Connect the Dots volunteer event, do it, do it, do it. I'm not as uh, persuasive as her. <laughs> but listen, if you are even remotely interested in volunteering to work with kids or youth in this body here in Bethlehem or in Mukunji, please, please sign up for this event. You, you know, I'm not gonna like write down your name because you came and then you never end up serving and judge you. No, <laughs> come so you can hear what we're about, what we're hoping to do, and um, you have to sign up by today. It's the last opportunity for you to do that. Church, God is doing something in this season. Really, truly, I believe that. It's why I'm here. Um, I never, this was mentioned in, when they were installing me, I never saw myself as a pastor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Still hard to say. Um, but, but I have always loved and believed in young people. And I truly believe that the young people of this church 
the Holy Spirit is moving and shifting things in your hearts. And you guys are in the middle of a crazy culture right now with so many different things going on and so many things coming at you. But I want you to know you're not alone. We stand with you. We believe in you. And I'm here because of that. <laughs> so as members of our church family, we are committed to discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs. Those entrepreneurs take risks and embody our DNA. It may be messy, not always perfectly containable, but our kingdom entrepreneurs will not be graded with the GPA. <laughs> they will be met with grace, love, and an upward call, as Paul puts it. So perhaps today you're here and you're listening to this online in Mukunji or here in Bethlehem, and you've struggled with your perception of God, perhaps even because of interactions you had with other Christians when you were a kid or a youth. And so you've not ever truly given your life to Jesus. But something is stirring in your heart today, and you want today to be the day that you gain Jesus. God created you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to mend your broken heart, and he welcomes you with open arms. Today, you can recognize all of that, repent of any sins, and forget what is behind, and reach forward towards the upward call of knowing Christ Jesus. So if that's you today, um, we're going to pray a prayer together, and um, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll pray, and then you can kind of repeat after me. But as a congregation, let's all pray this together, and um, we'll just bow our heads and pray, okay? Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from anything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.